Welcome to Bitcoin Basics with your hosts, Faris and Gordon. Visit bitcoinbasics.help if you need help buying and securing your Bitcoin. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome to another Bitcoin Basics podcast with your host, Gordon. That's me. And I have Faris with me as well. We have a special episode today. But before we do that, we're going to do our proof of recording. And our proof of recording is not our usual Bitcoin Clark Moody dashboard. It is from Ambos.space, looking at the Lightning Network. So today is Tuesday, May the 24th, 2023. And according to Ambos.space, there are currently 17,926 Lightning nodes, 76,899 Lightning channels, and a total Lightning network capacity of 5,512 BTC. Faris, is that gobbledygook or are you impressed with those stats? So, um, yeah, we just interviewed Jesse Schrader from Amboss Technologies. And um, is it Amboss Tech? It's Amboss, right? It's Amboss Technologies. But um, yeah, we actually interviewed him last week. And for the first time in the history of Bitcoin Basics, the recording. You're making us sound unprofessional. What are you talking about? <laughs> For the first time in the history of Bitcoin Basics, the recording just disappeared. We don't know what happened to it. Um, so we had to get him back on, which actually worked out better because um, I could understand a lot more of what he does and what he's planning on doing. And it's it's really exciting to see the developments happening in Litecoin, Litecoin, in Lightning Network. <laughs> Welcome to the Ethereum show. Oh my gosh. Excuse us. So no, Jesse, yeah, Jesse is actually one of those guys who very much like Gordon. He's an engineer, but explains things so well. Um, I was really impressed with just how acute he is and how well he explains what he's doing because it can be quite dense, but no, he's, he's one of the few engineers and tech people who can just explain this in layman's terms and yeah, really impressive. Well, he's a nice guy too. He came on the podcast twice. I don't know, no, Faris, yeah. if you were, if you spent a time doing something, would you come on to again oh, God, and no. re-record yourself? <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> no, let's edit that out. That's terrible. Uh, here is the interview with Jesse. And yeah, it, you might be thinking Lightning Network, like I don't care about that. If you have Bitcoin or even if you're interested in Bitcoin, uh, this is fascinating because Lightning, and I'll share everything in the description, Lightning really is amazing. It is an instant payment network for Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is too slow. I can't buy my coffee with Bitcoin, blah, blah, blah. That has now gone out the window. We've solved it. We're moving on. We're done. This is Bitcoin Lightning. And Jesse's company, Amboss, um, is doing some amazing things. So here's the interview with Jesse from Amboss. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. You guys ready? All right, Jesse. So this is take two. We're just saying uh, we actually spoke to you last week, but for the first time in the history of Bitcoin Basics, that recording did not record. So thank you again for coming back on. Can't tell you how much we appreciate it. It's it's my pleasure and uh, had a great time talking to you guys and uh, looking forward to the conversation uh, for this time around as well. Thanks, Jesse. 
So I got a much better grasp of what it is you do. But if you can, just um, give our audience the elevator pitch before we dig into a bit more detail. So maybe tell us your Bitcoin origin story and what it is you're working on today. Sure. Um, so I'm, I'm Jesse uh, on Twitter. I go by Jestifer for the most part. And uh, and. Like what I'm building is a data analytics company for Lightning Network. Um, now, like how I got there uh, to to go back is finding out about uh, troubles within traditional banking systems. Um, and you know, my my background is in environmental engineering, but it, I found it was difficult to to find uh, a, a job after after graduating college. Um, in the aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis. And so I ended up taking a, a, a job in a, a call center answering questions about class action lawsuits. So people would call in, they would get some weird notices in the in the mail saying that they're part of a, a class action lawsuit, which happens a lot in the U.S. Um, and uh, people would call the number and we would read a, a script to them. And the the case that I was put on the the class action lawsuit was was a settlement against banks um, that and they were they were banks that were reorganizing debit card transactions in highest to lowest dollar order, and and the the meaning of that is that it would cause a customer's bank balance to zero out earlier than it would have. Uh, otherwise happened. And, and it provided an opportunity for the bank to charge additional overdraft fees more than it, if they had just uh, just processed those transactions as they happened. And like, it, it, it really shocked me to see that uh, not, not only would one bank do this, but really all of the banks uh, would, would institute a policy that was so extractive from their customers that were literally out of money um, and, and charge them more. And so I, I, I saw that as, as deeply unethical. And I think that really pushed me in the direction of searching for an alternative to um, these adversarial banking policies. So when I, uh, when I saw Bitcoin's price uh, shooting up, of course, I got greedy. I bought a little bit of Bitcoin. And then I was watching the, the the price start to crater after that. And that's what really pushed me into understanding what it is that I just bought. Because, uh, you know, at first, it's just this investment. But then you start reading and listening to podcasts and understanding a bit more of the technology, which really resonated with me as an engineer. And and that's when it really hit me that this is the alternative to uh, banking policies. So so that that pushed me in the direction of of Bitcoin and and understanding it deeply. Uh, of course, like Andreas Antonopoulos was was huge, um, as well as uh, Safedine to talk about um, lower time preference versus higher time preference. And that really helped understand like. How we got in this uh, kind of mess in in society, and uh, and and how like banks could you know become so decoupled from their customers. 
But uh, at, when I got into Bitcoin, I, I was just so excited about it. And so I wanted to uh, buy gifts for my family um, for, for Christmas. Now, that was back in 2017. And that was when transaction fees uh, were at all-time highs. Uh, so so I ended up paying more in transaction fees than the value of, of the gift that I was buying for 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 my family around Christmas time. Um, and so that made me realize, okay, wow, Bitcoin has all of these amazing features that would shield me from uh, you know monetary expansion that operates on consensus that uh, is so resistant to adversarial policies, but it has a, a scalability problem. And just at, at that time, those were like the earliest conversations about the the scaling solution that was out there, which is the Lightning Network. Um, and learning a bit more about the Lightning Network and starting to experiment with tools in, in 2018, that's when I really dove in. And like with this new network starting, you, you start to discover a lot of the pain points that are involved. Um, so, so really understanding, like, who do you want to connect to in this Lightning Network? Uh, the, the whole goal is, is to really scale Bitcoin payments. So, like, Bitcoin does an amazing job at the monetary policy level, like controlling for, for new coins that are being created. You know, we don't have this expansionary monetary policy, but it, the settlement time is like every 10 minutes. Bitcoin's heart beats and, and does these confirmations. But Lightning Network really sidesteps the, the whole blockchain and the 10-minute block confirmation time uh, because it's really a peer-to-peer -peer settlement layer on top of Bitcoin. So uh, seeing all of those uh, like early issues, that's what uh, pushed me to start playing with, with tools like like Thunderhub, which is an open source node manager. And uh, when I got started playing with Thunderhub, that's when I got connected uh, with now the co-founder of, of Amboss, uh, which is Anthony Podevin. And uh, he was uh, the developer behind Thunderhub. And, and he reached out to me uh, because he saw me helping other users out in the chat uh, to like help use uh, Thunderhub. So he reached out to me and we decided to team up and build something for Lightning. Um, and we had to like go through a couple of iterations of, you know, what, what does the Lightning Network really need? Uh, the, the big explorer at the time, uh, which is like basically a directory of all the nodes, uh, was, was 1ml.com, uh, which has a really rough user interface. Um, but like they were early, um, but we hadn't seen a whole lot of changes. And so that eventually pushed us to, to build amboss.space, which is uh, a directory of Lightning Network nodes. Um, and now is like moving into a full data analytics platform to, to really professionalize the Lightning Network and prepare it to be a, this disruptive uh, alternative to... Payment processors. I mean, right now in the in the US, we got Visa, Mastercard, American Express.
but but what's the Bitcoin option and what's what's the decentralized option? And and that's Lightning Network. So so we're working on a data analytics company to improve improve payments using the Lightning Network. I want to talk to you in more detail about that, Jesse, and I think you've explained that really well. And this is where I get excited talking to you guys and Gordon, because I mean, we were looking at you know, when Lightning first came out and Gordon was explaining to me and our audience the difference between layer one and layer two, because we had the um, scaling wars at the time and all that. Um, but for me, what excited me about Bitcoin was the IT guys are actually in charge. So many corporations these days... Um, and I know this is talking to Gordon and other people is that, okay, they want to say rework an entire system. Well, the CEOs are saying, no, we don't have the time or the money. We've got quarterly earnings coming up. We don't want to spend that kind of money. So they'll work on a broken system. And when you think about it, the IT department is the most important department in any big business. There's something wrong with your computer systems and there's something wrong with your payment system. You need the IT department. Well, what do we do with these guys? We stick them in a basement and we don't listen to them. We tell them what to do. They're ignored. For me, Bitcoin, it's like the IT guys are in charge and they can take their time. So when you're talking about paying higher transaction fees, most people would have gone, this thing's idiotic. I'm not doing this again. But it's kind of like the thing is you want to buy the worst house in the best street because you can improve it. And this to me was where I looked at Bitcoin, having spoken to guys like Gordon and people like yourself where, but we can improve upon this and we can take our time to do it. So Gordon keeps saying Bitcoin is slow by design, but he's comparing it to like Ripple and stuff when he's saying that. It's like, well, it's not slow. A 10 to 20 minute trans- transaction and settlement time is not slow. And yes, you, it's not point of sale, but let these IT guys, let these engineers do it on their own terms. And, you know, they use Litecoin as a, arguably as a, as a um, test bed for the Lightning Network and, yeah, this is where I get excited about Bitcoin because people like yourself, you're working on this on your own time as a volunteer. And this is how Mozilla was launched. And all of these are things that we use where at the beginning, these guys won't pay for it. Um, so yeah, that, that gets me excited when people like yourself are working on this and you don't have a non-tech savvy CEO telling you what to do and to push all these deadlines. <laughs> I, I really love that, that perspective. Um, and it, it, it's it's right uh, because you know Bitcoin is like still so new. Like even though it's what year fourteen now, um, that it it really has to take a, a solid look at all of the basic building blocks of a financial system. You know from uh, from like banking, uh, monetary issuance uh, to like transaction and settlement times um, and when you look at the at the alternative uh we've got we've got visa and like really that network has not changed since the 1970s and so all of the computer technology at the time was really memory limited and you couldn't really exchange much much data except like all around the the visa network uh we've essentially had to make it backwards compatible with that settlement layer, even though like that technology has is long outdated. Um, we can, we can buy Ram like cheaper than uh, people were paying for like entire hard disk space, you know, back in the seventies, like the, the deflation in, 
in the in the cost of of all of that technology has has really like blown a lot of things out of water out of the water. So now that we have like you know much much uh much less expensive computers and such, uh, we can we can build a better network. And we've got the the cryptography developments as well. We've got the Tor network. Uh, we've got all of the different technology pieces that that fit together to make the Lightning Network happen. So so you can maintain the monetary policy and create a, a fully decentralized payment network. Now, like when you have that fully decentralized payment network, what mm. what it really struggles with is coordination. So like Visa with like this like top-down hierarchy, um, they can like they, they can be very uh prescriptive about how the entire network will operate. However, uh for the lighting network, like the decision making process is distributed and not everybody has all of the information. Like uh, I know about my connections, but what's happening in the rest of the of the network. And what does the what does the market look like? Um, so, so is this these, what? Yeah. Sorry. So, is this what you're doing at Amboss? Is you're looking at the entire Lightning Network? Because at the moment, our Lightning Channel is hidden. We don't know what's happening inside the Lightning Channel because it's just between two parties. Unlike that's exactly right. Okay. So, what you're doing is you're opening that up to transparency. Is that is that what you're doing? Essentially, I mean, there's a lot of public information that we're processing. So first, mm-hmm. uh, kind of what is the public capacity of the Lightning Network? Um, what are the, what are the channels out there? Um, and, and which peers are, are they connected to? But, but now the Lightning Network maintains privacy at the transaction level. So right. when, when we, when we're looking at the Lightning Network, we can see, Okay, how many Bitcoin are allocated to it in a public fashion? But we really don't know about how many transactions are happening. Um, we can see the rails, but we don't know how many trains are going across those rails. So just playing devil's advocate here, why do we need to know that? If someone's opening up a lightning channel, don't they want to keep that private? Why do we want to know what's going on between two parties? Yeah, that's a it's a great question. So there are private channels, or they're called private channels, but really a better way to describe that is unannounced. So, so they're going to create a transaction on Bitcoin, and we're going to see that on on Bitcoin on the a Bitcoin blockchain. We're going to see that transaction, and it's going to be paid to a two of two multisig. Now, like that, that acts like a joint account between uh, the originating node and and another node. And the value can can move back and forth uh, between those two nodes. But when you announce that channel, that enables other nodes on the network to actually use that same infrastructure. And the owners of the channel will be able to charge a fee for the use of their infrastructure. So basically, okay, they're they're building a road. And now mm-hmm. they can charge a toll for use of that road. So it becomes okay. part of the, the public map of the Lightning Network. And what you're so going to be doing is... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Gordon. I've been monopolizing. You have, but that's okay. I'm used to it. Um, so to zoom out to people who 
maybe listening to this and I'm I'm going to zoom out a little bit. Um you have the Bitcoin network and and you mentioned before Jesse about settlement. And I think we 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 sort of need to make sure that people understand because people say why well, you need Bitcoin you got Visa Mastercard and whatever. And I guess but back in 2017 or wherever it was, people were talking about buying Bitcoin with coffee. Like that was the ultimate goal. If we can get people to yes. buy some coffee with Bitcoin. But I was like, well, why do you want to buy coffee with Bitcoin? I don't want to buy coffee with my IRA or my superannuation fund. Like this, to me, that just doesn't make sense. And also it's too slow. You go to a coffee shop, you wait for maybe two trans, two confirmations, at least 20 minutes. It's too slow. And then the Lightning Network comes about and you're like, well, Actually, it kind of is comparable to a Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, this instantaneous payment. And quite often people see it from the consumer side. They see it, well, I'm just paying with Visa, MasterCard on my bank transfer or whatever. And nowadays, banks have their own sort of instant interbank transfer anyway. And those payments are almost instantaneous from the consumer point of view. But from the merchant point of view, I'm not sure what it is in the US, but in Australia, it can be up to 60 days to actually receive from Visa or MasterCard um, your income. Someone paid for it. And in that time, someone can actually issue a chargeback. So it's not an instant settlement like like people think. So um, that's where the Lightning Network is born. And that's why we're so excited about the Lightning Network. And just going on from that and, and what Faris and you guys were saying before, just to put this all in context, with Bitcoin, You've got the Bitcoin blockchain, the Bitcoin network, um, and you can be a miner, of course, but you could run your own node. And I suggest, and we've always suggested people run their own node, grab a Raspberry Pi or whatever. But with the Lightning Network, and, and you probably want to keep that private, right? You don't advertise your node and your IP address and all that kind of stuff because there's no incentive for you to do so. You're not earning fees from running a node or anything like that. But with the Lightning Network, it's almost the opposite. Like, you actually sort of want to coordinate and communicate with other nodes and you want to be discoverable, essentially, uh, unless you want to be a hermit and stuck in your cave and do your own thing, which is fine, of course. So with the Lightning Network, there's almost the opposite incentive to make your node public and discoverable. And this is a long way of saying, is that what you guys are trying to do with Magma? Interesting. Yeah. Oh, you you touched on so much there. Uh, so one, the, the, the instant settlement that we're shooting for with, with lightning, uh, is completely different than, than traditional finance. Um, so you're right. It's, uh, 40, 40 to 60 days for actual final settlement. Um, and d- despite the, the little check mark that you may see when you go to, to use a payment card, um, that money doesn't actually show up for, for the merchant. For a long time after, and you're right about the the risk of chargebacks. Um, right now, the the financial system generally works uh, through debits. So I can pull I can pull money from your account, but but Bitcoin works completely the opposite. It, it's a push system. So I can only like push money to another party. I I can't uh, take it from your account. Uh, simply just because of the way cryptography works. Now, uh, when we're creating this this whole new push system for for payments that that provides near instant final settlement with with Lightning, 
uh, there is an incentive to to make yourself more known. So when you look at the Bitcoin blockchain, it looks like just about every single address is basically the same. There's there's really no difference between the two. Maybe it's a SegWit address or maybe it's a legacy address, but but really it's it looks pretty much the same. It's just a string of numbers. However, uh, with Lightning, you can kind of you're going to choose your peers. You know who do you want to be associated with because this is kind of this is public um and so like at amboss we like we're gathering historical information so you can kind of like watch watch someone's like ascension to fame and you can also see like what is their like financial and social circle uh, around them so yeah we've we've got kind of kings of of the lightning network right now, like wallet of Satoshi's node, you know, a whole bunch of folks are, are connecting to it right now. And, and we're watching like all of these, uh, all the folks that want to be part of like the zapping ecosystem that we're watching happening on Noster, for example, the, the new, uh, social network protocol. Uh, so, so this is kind of like you're creating a, a whole, uh, new social and financial map around yourself. Um, and, and there is, uh, there's more of a desire for branding uh, to say, like, this is my node. This is, this is our logo. This is how to get in contact because that all feeds into saying, like, I'm a reliable peer. So the, the channels that I'm maintaining, the roads of, of payments are, are reliable. And if there's something wrong, reach out to me. Um, and here's my contact information. So that's mainly what people use Amboss for. So they'll, they'll, uh, see the data, like what's the market pricing? Um, who are they connected to? Do they have big enough channels and do they have contact information if something goes wrong? So if I can jump in here, I like your analogy of the road. So it's essentially, I'm looking at setting up a payment service and I'm just, and you will provide like a, a roadmap of, which road is available, has the least congestion, and how much it costs to use it. And you provide that service and people just jump on saying, I'm going to use this lightning channel. Is that correct? I'm simplifying it terribly. Yeah. Yeah. So so basically we've got like a whole bunch of people that have been saving Bitcoin. Yeah. And uh and they've been kind of connected to each other. There's lots of fun yeah. tools to like make new connections like between all the all the Bitcoin holders and lightning nodes, but now someone, someone joins the lightning network. And so this becomes a new payment destination, but, but how does this new entrant to the network make themselves known to the rest of the network saying, Hey, I'm the payment Mm -hmm. destination. Can you please connect to me? Right. And, And that would, that would enable this new entrant to be able to receive payments. Um, because they can't actually receive payments without asking the rest of the network mm-hmm. to connect to it. It, it is directional, yeah. uh, which is, which is a bit weird. Um, and that's because it's directional because the entire system operates without credit and without yep. debt. Okay. Um, and that's a fundamental change. So, uh, what we this launched been a, was, yeah. you know, 
No, no, go ahead. What you launched? That was actually going to be yeah. last week. So. Well, what we launched was uh, what we called the Magma Marketplace. And so this creates a whole market for buying and selling Lightning Channels. So if I want to receive payments and I'm completely new to the Lightning Network, I can go onto Magma and and just uh, pay for someone else to open a channel to me. And uh, on this marketplace, everyone's listing their prices. And mm-hmm. a lot of this is based on, you know, Bitcoin transaction fees. You know, recently we've watched mm-hmm. Bitcoin transaction mm-hmm. fees uh, go up quite a bit. And so the market has actually been shifting as well, where people are raising their fees to open a channel because they're going to have to pay quite a bit of money just to make a Bitcoin transaction, but they're doing it for the long term. So the the agreements are generally for a month to say, I'm going to keep this lightning channel open for a month, three months, six months, et cetera. And uh, we're watching this, this marketplace develop where people can buy essentially liquidity but we'll just call it a lightning channel. They're buying a lightning channel, mm. uh, but it allows them to receive payments on this new payment network. So if I'm understanding this correctly, and what the incentive for someone here who has Bitcoin, this has been a challenge and a temptation for people to have Bitcoin. I'm just sitting on it. How do I get some yield out of it? Um, so with this, you use your Bitcoin to open a lightning channel and you get paid for people that are using that channel. Yes. That's right. Okay. So another devil's advocate question. How do you, Jesse and Amos make money out of this? Yeah. Uh, so one way we do it is uh, by taking a small marketplace fee. So, so when someone opens a, uh, opens a channel, we'll take 0.2% as a, as a fee by, by default. Um. We're still experimenting with the with the pricing, like what really makes sense uh, for this market, um, and then the size of the Lightning Network overall. Um, now, the the person that's buying a channel is going to pay that fee on on top of whatever whatever price. So, so that's one way to to make funds uh, to like get something out of this new market. Um, the other way is by by realizing that not all of these peers that you could buy from are the same. There's, there's a complete difference. It's like walking into a whole conference and saying, oh, okay, well, I shaked five hands. Uh, I shook five hands. Um, so I'm probably good on this conference. I think that's that was my goal. Um, but really, like anyone that knows conferences knows like there's, there's different value to those conversations that you're going to have. You can't just count handshakes. Um, so really like some of these folks that the conference would be much more connected. And that's very important um, because if I'm a new business and I want to receive payments, the real question is like, what fraction of the network can I receive payments from? So how central is this uh, other, other node to the Lightning Network? Will I be able to expand my customer base by by buying this new channel? So if someone just started up a node, like I probably don't wanna buy a channel from them because 
one, like they've got no history on this thing. I have no idea how reliable they are. Um, I don't know if they're going to force close a channel and uh, yeah, they're not connected to anyone. So really what value does that add to me? Um, And so for a new node, it's usually quite small, but for well-established nodes that have proven that they've maintained channels over, over years, like that means a lot more to me. This person has an established reputation. And so by making a decision like that, it's much more informed. And so we've been, uh, you know, compiling data so it, it can help that decision-making process. Um, so, and we'll, we'll charge uh, for access to historical information on the Lightning Network. So, so that really helps people make much more data-driven decisions about who they want their connections to be. That is a very honest answer. So you're definitely an engineer, not from the finance sector. <laughs> definitely an engineer. <laughs> but uh, we're, you know, as as we're putting together all of these answers or, you know, all this data, um, the, the finance questions just keep coming up. So, yeah. you know, really, like, when, when you're looking at, like, yield, um, yeah. you know, this Especially is a very... Coin. It's it's a very low risk uh, way to earn yield um, because you know when you're deploying Bitcoin on the Lightning Network, it's completely in self custody. You're not trusting anyone else. You're not making the mistakes of the the CFI like uh, you're not sending funds to Celsius and just saying uh, please give me more money back at the end of our agreement. Uh, there's not that there's not that whole trust relationship. So. It's it's entirely in self custody for the entire time, and then you get paid for actually creating new infrastructure mm-hmm. on this payment network. And can other than opening a lightning channel through Amboss, is there another way of investing with you guys? Are you launching an ICO or anything like that? <laughs> We're not doing a token, um, although like after we announced our uh, our our fundraise, you know, as a startup. We've just been flooded with uh, folks coming from Web3 and, you know, wanting to help us uh, launch our token and market it. And it's it's been uh, pretty sickening, actually. Um, and I, I wish that wasn't the case. Uh, but, man, there's some skilled developers, but it seems like they've just been lost in Web3 land, hopping from project to project um, as these tokens get launched and these pump and dump schemes. Um, so... We're really just trying to focus on, you know, the, the payment settlement layer. And and that's been our focus, not on tokens or any of these other things. No, we Otherwise, respect that. I mean, yeah, me and Gordon have been doing this since 2017. We've been Bitcoin only. Our strategy has been just buy Bitcoin and hold it. And we can prove that because we're poor. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, just like... Uh, say eBay, if you are a new seller, for example, you're a new merchant and you create a new account, it's very difficult for someone to trust you because you have no reputation, you have no past history or anything like that. Um, if someone is interested in setting up a lightning node and they want to sort of, you know, get started, that they don't want to make it their full-time job, but they're sort of dabbling or whatnot. And they get started and they set up a lightning node. Two questions. Number one, how do they get started? What what do you think are the best ways to get started? For me personally, that's go out and buy a Raspberry Pi or 
Raspberry Blitz. Um, and secondly, how, okay, they create a profile page on Magma, but how do they get started? People are trying to find, you know, they're trying to buy a channel or whatnot, but your rep, you don't have any reputation. So it's sort of that, you know, that eBay initial sort of problem of I'm a seller. I want to sell stuff, but I have no reputation. So no one's going to buy something from me. How does that work with Magma? Yeah. Uh, there's a whole bunch of ways to get started. Um, for the hobbyists, I would encourage people to learn as much as you can. And the way to do that is to actually build a node yourself. Um, so if you want to learn command line um, and you want to learn how to use some of these tools, you want to be one of the operators of the network of the future, like this is this is your opportunity to get your hands dirty and learn as much as you can. So that's going to be uh, buying the parts for a Raspberry Pi, getting a solid state drive, getting an uninterruptible power supply. Um, so like learning what these different pieces do um, and yeah, start doing Raspy Blitz or Umbral and you'll get a little bit of exposure to using command line. And many people are using it for the first time. Uh, so they're going to get a bit of understanding about Linux, et cetera. Um, so, so those are the hobbyists. Now, if you're starting a business, uh, you probably don't have a whole bunch of time to invest into a Raspy Blitz. And so that's where I would point those folks to, uh, maybe a, a cloud hosted node like, like Voltage, which would allow you to set up a node, um, in, in less than an afternoon, maybe a couple of minutes, uh, really to just get started and then, uh, use the, the open source node manager, Thunderhub to, to actually view your channels. And so that's where you would generate a receive address on, on your node. You would send a bit of Bitcoin uh, to that address, and then you would open your first channel, which is going to be a new uh, Bitcoin transaction that sets up this new payments infrastructure. As soon as one channel exists, uh, we'll be able to spot it on the network, on the Lightning Network, which is kind of relayed through all these nodes through uh, the gossip. Um, and so that's that's part of the lightning spec. And all of these new public channels are, are gossiped throughout the network. And that's what we're listening for at Amboss. So once we see that, that new node and new channel pop up, uh, we'll just generate a profile page for that specific node. And you'll be able to sign a message uh, from your node and prove to us that you own that node. And, and once you've signed that message uh, and using digital signatures to prove that, uh, then you can edit the your, your profile page, add your contact information if you want, et cetera, et cetera. So once you've got a profile, that's the start of your reputation. And you might want to like grab the Amboss link and put it on social media and say, hey, connect to me. Um, Get me all set up with with liquidity, and that'll be the start of your reputation. And then the rest comes with time. And that happens automatically, uh, Jesse. You don't need to um, provide like you know a sacrifice versions and provide a semen sample, or even worse, a passport. Upload a passport selfie or anything like that. <laughs> it's all automatic. No, no. Uh, the the public channels are are public. You know, your node actively announces them. Uh, so, so that is public information, and and that's that's the information that we're listening for. Uh, if you want to provide additional information, generally that helps de-risk it for other people. Mm. 
Um, and all of the information that we collect is opt-in. So, so this now, really, I know Bitcoin, sorry, Bitcoin works on the space of trust. Don't verify, sorry, don't trust verify. So what you're doing here is you, people are verifying as they come on. They have to open up a channel. Their Bitcoin that they're providing as collateral is the verify part. But then as their reputation grows, that actually becomes a level of trust. So it is, you're verifying, but then yeah, the trust part does come in later on because. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, yeah. uh, it, in some ways it's like, uh, creating a new channel is your proof of work. So yeah. you've, you've already put in the work, you've made the transaction, you've paid the fee and now it exists. And now yeah. it's just like over time, like how has that, has a channel stayed around? Um, is it, is it durable? Hmm. Uh, have, have other users reported that you're a, a good peer, for example? It's because really like the Bitcoin blockchain on a microscopic effect. So you're kind of building that trust over time. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, it has a lot of behaviors like web of trust. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's a, we, we can go on about semantics, but it, it, to me, it's really just a reputation system. So that, you know, you've got, I know I go to, to the eBay example again, but I think everyone understands a marketplace between buyers and sellers and eBay, you don't actually buy a product from eBay. You buy it from a, a seller and eBay is just providing a platform in order for you to do that. Like a social network sort of thing. So you guys are kind of building a social network, um, getting people to buy and sell based on reputation, past reputation. And um, is it more than that, Jesse, or I'm oversimplifying what you got. I mean, what are you trying to achieve? What is Magma? Give us your elevator pitch. And by the way, congratulations on your seed funding too. Thanks so much. Um, the the real goal is to make the Lightning Network be a high performance and sustainable payment network, you know, with the help of our tools. So uh, w- what that means is that uh, high performance essentially means that payments are reliable. And that is something that the Lightning Network has struggled with. The, the sustainable piece has more to do with markets. So it's we're not talking about uh, energy concerns of using Bitcoin. What we're talking about is, are people setting uh, fees on, on the Lightning Network so that they can really maintain their nodes? Uh, we've seen lots of uh, campaigns and, and other pushes to, to lower the fees on the Lightning Network. And really, that's the opposite of what... what I would want to see on, on the Lightning Network. I really want people to be fully incentivized to provide reliable infrastructure and so that we can have reliable payments. So like when you go to swipe your payment card, um, like all of your data is going to be sold. It's going to go through uh, several intermediaries. It's not going to settle for 45 to 60 days. Um, and uh, that, that data will be, will be sold to advertisers. Now, we don't have that situation uh, on the Lightning Network. And we've got a very private system, but maybe only 60% of the payments actually go through on the first attempt. So, like, there's there's a huge trade-off there, whereas, like, payment cards will be able to have 99.99% reliability, um, which, which means we have a lot of work to do on the Lightning Network. So by, by getting the, the network to coordinate, and share additional information, 
uh, I think we can we can drive towards higher efficiency and really disrupt traditional payment networks. Um, everyone at the moment is talking about BRC20 and uh, Bitcoin NFTs and stuff like that. Uh, have you seen through your statistics? By the way, I love looking. Everyone needs to head across to amboss.space right now. Have a look at it. I don't know if those of you are familiar, perhaps back in the past, um, whenever you did a Bitcoin transaction or wanted to check what's going on, you went to Blockstream, blockchain.info. That was the OG site. And you could see all the transactions and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what you guys are building is amazing. And you just look at the channels and the capacity and the stats. Just looking at the stats itself is, is pretty cool. Um, I've completely forgotten my question. Um, oh, yeah, BRC20. So... Is that killing Bitcoin? Are we doomed? Uh, are we going to have that block wars debate all over again? And, um, you know, have a Bitcoin fork. What's going, what's your thoughts? Sorry. And just give yeah. for those of our listeners not familiar, what is BRC20? Okay. So BRC20 is, uh, like Bitcoin request for comment. Um, and it's kind of modeled after the ERC20. Uh, token standard and now that's like erc20 was was on ethereum and that was you know the the birth of all sorts of uh tokens that are you know likely unregistered securities in in many ways um so whole bunch of token product projects not a whole lot of them are sticking around you know shiba inu was you know one of those so uh now we're watching because of the the way that uh people have essentially been stamping these new tokens into the bitcoin blockchain so uh when we upgraded to to taproot it essentially opened the doors to people being able to write arbitrary data into the bitcoin blockchain now they have to pay a fee for all of those bytes of data and they've got a big desire to do that and by by really stamping the blockchain um they can have this immutable record of of that information stored on you know tens of thousands of nodes all over the world now, now that's very appealing it's like you can just etch your name in this immutable record and that that will be there for for all time so if you want to stamp a, a monkey picture in there like you can do that and uh now like that has a use case you know when i when i think about people um like when their house is burning down like the the thing that they're going to want to grab out of their house is like their family photographs their childhood photos um, because those are, those are hard to replace. This is like before the time of digital photos and all the cloud storage and stuff. But, but really like that was the valuable piece and you want to save that. So, so what we're watching is people stamping a different types of data into the Bitcoin blockchain. Now, when they're, when they're issuing tokens, stamping certain information about these tokens, they're essentially minting new assets and we're watching the trading of those go kind of crazy. I don't really see that as like long-term value, uh, but it will see. Regardless, 
there's only so much space in each block on the Bitcoin blockchain. So you've got, uh, you know, between one and four megabytes to play with, depending on how you structure the data every 10 minutes. So, so that means there's a lot of competition for being part of that next block. Now, overall, that causes Bitcoin transactions to be more expensive. And when Bitcoin transactions are more expensive, that's when you get people looking to scaling methodology for Bitcoin. And I see BRC20s and these ordinal inscriptions as really drivers to scale Bitcoin. So I see the Lightning Network as being more important than ever to really build on while the fees are low. We've been paying, you know, one sat per V-byte over the past year. And now all of a sudden people are shocked when people uh, figure out how to stamp data into the Bitcoin blockchain. And now it's going to be $30, $60 per transaction, which is crazy. You cannot buy a cup of coffee when the transaction fee is going to be $60. So you have to get on lightning. Um, like hmm. that is the, that is the, the scaling opportunity. And the, like people aren't going to move to another blockchain to do a financial settlement because like these other blockchains have, have shown time and time again that the policies aren't reliable. They're going to change it. They're going to change the monetary policy. And the best part about Bitcoin is that all of those uh, proposals to change how Bitcoin operates will by default get rejected. So mm. Bitcoin's going to stay the way that it is. Um, and there's really no disrupting that. So stick with Bitcoin and figure out how to scale it in layers. And we're moving yeah. to layer two. I mean, I really like this. Is... Sorry, first. So I really like how you explain that, Jesse. When you were talking, that reminded me of the 2017 scaling wars. And to me, it's like, you know, when we're trying to get, pushing to get SegWit in to work the second layer solution. Um, and how you're explaining it then just makes me think of, a bachelor's party where before I commit to someone, I just want to go and do something idiotic and blow off. And it feels like that's what people would do with Bitcoin. Say, before we commit to say what, before we commit to lightning, let's just look at our options and lose some money there and have some fun there. And no, it's probably a mistake, but at least we made that mistake. So um, yeah, no, I'm really excited about what you guys are doing. And it's helping me appreciate lightning so much more as well. Awesome. That's the whole goal. I mean, uh, most of the marketing we do is, is going to be about education, uh, because I think learning about how to scale Bitcoin is like so, so important. Um, you know, as we're looking at, you know, central bank digital currencies and all of these other, uh, far inferior options pop up, we really need to have a good answer, uh, when it comes to transaction fees and, and how Bitcoin is going to answer the needs of global settlement. Um, and and not do it in a way that is you know captured by by authoritarian governments. I like how we've come full circle because we we're talking about settlement before, and this is Lightning's time to shine. Uh, we've had Bitcoin Beach, we've had Bitcoin Akasi over in South Africa. Uh, there's Bitcoin Jungle. These projects, um, they're not using the Bitcoin blockchain. They're not waiting twenty thirty minutes for a confirmation. They're using Bitcoin Lightning. And I think in the past, and I'll I'll be completely honest. Um, 
maybe three or four years ago, I was kind of like lightning cool project or whatever. And we're sort of always saying, you know, Bitcoin is awesome, but we need these systems sort of built on top around, you know, side chains. And we're talking about all this kind of stuff. Um, this is Bitcoin's, uh, sorry, this is lightning's time to shine. And let's be honest, a lot of people, they don't think too much about money. They conflate US dollar with PayPal or Visa or MasterCard. It's all sort of, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's just all money. It's all. And so they don't sort of see the difference between, you know, money, payment system, settlement time, and it's all just one big sort of thing. So now we can actually say, no, actually you can pay instantly with Bitcoin. Uh, You don't need to know how lightning works, but like, uh, Sorry, just a quick story. In 2017, I sent like 0.003 Bitcoin to my nephews and, and nieces. But while, you know, during Christmas and on the mobile phone, and while we're there, you know, I think it took 40 minutes uh, for the transaction to sort of come through. Um, and it was about 25 bucks at the time, you know. Um, but I recently did that in the last Christmas, but I did it, you, you know, using Lightning. And they remembered the Bitcoin thing. Ah. Uncle Gordon's sending Bitcoin again. This is going to take forever. But I did it using Lightning and it was instantaneous. Like, And the light bulb moment went off and I've now got my nephew interested in Bitcoin and Lightning and, and that sort of stuff. So for me, that was cool too. It was sort of that light bulb moment of, no, actually, not only is Bitcoin an awesome money, but we now have a payment system that is instantaneous. And the settlement is almost instantaneous as well. That's incredible. I know we've been talking about that forever, but for me, that was sort of the missing piece. The payment, the settlement was sort of the missing piece. Hmm. Oh, yeah, man. seeing new people receive Bitcoin is exciting. You forget how exciting it is actually, because we did it ages ago, but when you see people get their Bitcoin light bulb moment, it's exciting to see that. Yeah, it's been so much easier with Lightning uh, mm-hmm. for people to get that light bulb moment. Uh, uh, like I, I have similar experiences, like trying to get my family set up with their own Bitcoin wallet, you know, okay, write down all these words and then uh, like basically create your shopping list of words um, and then, yeah. okay, install the software. It it like looks awful. I mean, the the Bitcoin UIs that, that we've yeah. become accustomed to are just atrocious to look at. Um, but now with Lightning, like there's so much focus on the user experience. Um, so we're really watching kind of like flourishing of like the, this whole like front end development. Um, and now because the cost of settlement is so low, like we're seeing new use cases pop up all the time. Like mm-hmm. now when I'm on, on Noster, um, you know, I'm, I'm posting a, a meme on this new social network and people are just zapping me uh, they're they're making lightning transactions that is less than a penny, but I'm getting it just as easy as I'm getting likes. And that is like the hardest money in existence. And it's just like, it's just so exciting to me. Um, like forget, forget about like all of the paywall issues where you're going to have to sign up for a monthly subscription. Like, no, you're just going to scan a QR code and pay a lightning invoice. And you're going to be able to access things that, that, haven't been possible in like such a frictionless way. I mean, some of the developments we're watching with, with Albi, for example, has just like a browser plugin. It's just going to like automatically pay as long as it's below a certain threshold. And you're just going to have a seamless experience mm. of the internet. And 
just have frictionless money. You mentioned this earlier as well, which is something our listeners really need to appreciate. So I um, bought a subscription to a newsletter or something, and um, it was six months, and then I haven't used it. I thought I forgot the account, but then next thing I find out, they have my credit card details, and they've signed me up for another six months. And I didn't want that. So you got to go through a whole process of just getting a refund on it. Whereas I pay for something with Bitcoin, and it's like, okay, I just sent 20 bucks of Bitcoin, and I know they can't do that. They can't get into my wallet and take it out again. So it's a one-off transaction. Exactly. The the whole push system really, really flips the, the system on its head, uh, where I don't have to trust another party with my payment details and my bank information. Um, and it's just a push system is opt-in all the way. Uh, that's how we've been operating things. Um, I believe that's the future. Now we're coming closer now, Jesse. And once again, thank you for uh, appearing for the second time. Um, two questions from me and, and Ferris, you might have other questions. Uh, one is just a practical one. What's your favorite wallet, Bitcoin wallet, Lightning wallet? What's your favorite hardware wallet? So that's that's one question. And the second question is, we always ask our guests, what can't Bitcoin fix? Like we know that it can fix a lot. What can't it fix? And maybe what can't Bitcoin fix or what can't Lightning, Bitcoin Lightning fix? What can't it fix? Um, let's see. Uh, where were we? Uh, hardware wallet? Oh, gosh. Um, let's see. I've, I've used Cold Card. I've used Ledger. Um, I haven't tried Trezor yet. But man, that, uh, the whole hard, uh, hard, cold wallet, um, hardware wallet, like ecosystem is really going through a reckoning right now. Um, so I'm going to have to look at all sorts of options, um, and just kind of reevaluate my whole cold storage. So I'll, uh, I'll pass on, on that question, uh, because I think I'm going to need to look at it, uh, again myself. Um, but you should what- watch some of our reviews. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> uh, and, uh, reviews. Lightning Lightning Wallet, Jesse, what would you recommend? Or what are you using? Ah, okay. Lightning Wallet. Um just for the user experience, um, Wallet of Satoshi is great. However, uh fair warning, it is custodial. So you are trusting them to uh hold your hold your keys. I mean they're 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 holding your keys for you. Um so as like second to that. I would push people towards Moon uh, for the ability to use Lightning and and have a shared balance with on-chain, which is pretty wild. Um, I'm very much looking forward for them to do real Lightning improvements because essentially what what they've had to date on the back end is really an on-chain wallet and they're doing swaps into Lightning, which isn't nearly as efficient as you would want it to be. Uh, so... Because of that, uh, then my, my next recommendation is Phoenix Wallet. And I think they've been killing it. I should spend more time using Phoenix because that is fully non-custodial and it is Lightning Native. Yeah. Um, what can't uh, Bitcoin and Lightning fix? It's probably um, just the knowledge about technology and about security. Um, Bitcoin and, and Lightning really uh, rely on people understanding, you know, what they're getting themselves into and people doing research. Um, and that, that takes time. Uh, so really, Bitcoin and Lightning can't, can't completely fix 
time. Uh, I spent a lot of time in in Turkey um, and kind of watched the inflation just go crazy there. And I paid almost double what I paid the previous time I visited um, each time I went. And that was rough to experience. Uh, but but really what I wish the like the the most insidious evil of inflation is that it steals people's time. And that will be a real challenge for us going forward to really answer that question and give people hard money so they get back their time. But it requires so much research. So any education that you all can do, uh, your podcast is great for educating folks. Uh, So that's really where it fits into the whole mission. Cool. Very last question. Someone listening to this, they may be interested. They're like, yeah, you know, I've got some Bitcoin. I've dabbled with a Bitcoin node. Um, could you, sh- could you shout out a few resources? How do they get started with lightning? Yeah. The, the Plebnet wiki is one of the best resources out there. Okay. Um, so, so the, this, the whole Plebnet, um, uh, community kind of popped up around the same time that, that Amboss launched. Um, they they just celebrated their two year anniversary along with us, and they've compiled uh, crowdsourced information about how to run a Lightning node, and so that's going to be um, a fantastic resource. As well as uh, a user named uh, Darth Node has written some fantastic guides, and you can access some of my early writings in Lightning from 2019 at satbase.org, which was a monetized blog post that I made where people could just pay a lightning invoice and be able to access the rest of my writings on lightning. Oh, thanks. We'll obviously have all those in the description of the show notes. Um, Faris, any final questions? No, thank you again for coming back on just yeah, I got I'm Kind of worked out well this way because I could understand a lot more of what you guys do. And um, yeah, it's quite, it's really exciting space. Thank you guys uh, so much for the time, your questions, and for educating the Bitcoin community on the important work we're doing. Oh, thanks, man. No, uh, thank you, Jesse. Appreciate your time twice. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So long. Guys. Thanks, Jesse. Cheers. Thank you so much, mate. We're yeah, really keen to see what's happening in this space. You guys, yeah, it's exciting what you're doing. Awkward pause. Thanks for watching or listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, and share so we can spread this educational content to others like yourself. Visit bitcoinbasics.help. Come on, AirPods. Work with me. Uh, You're an Apple guy. I'm going (laughs) to leave now. That's a great way to start going for a guest who's had to come back on for a second time in a week. Yeah, insulting me even more. Yeah, <laughs> oh I need to like give you guys a whole bunch of shit in some way. Disclaimer, any content provided by CoinCompass is for educational and informational purposes only and is not investment, legal, tax, or any other professional advice. A qualified professional should be consulted before making any financial decisions. CoinCompass will at times recommend certain products, services, and technologies, but these are opinions based upon our own or podcast guests' experience and not endorsements. 
We take no liability for out-of-date or inaccurate information, software bugs, manufacturing errors, technology misuse, or issues involving third parties. Visit CoinCompass.com for more information and please contact us.